0: Welcome to the table. I'm your host, Jeff Harpole. There are a few things that can be taught in this life, and we want to learn as much as we can, but there are other things that cannot be taught. They are absorbed or they are caught. Um, They are learned by observation. And most of the very important attributes of living in life are those things that are learned by viewing or seeing or being somewhere. Atmosphere has a lot to do with education, not just the information. Information is given, but it's stoic, it's cold, it's dry. That's not the transaction whereby people really learn. They learn through expression. They learn through feel and tone of voice. And so there's so much to be learned um, that, that can't be written down in a book. I'm looking at a small portion of Scripture. It's, it's almost obscure, and it's the end of the life of the great prophet Elisha. And in Second Kings chapter 13, he has fallen sick. He's not going to live. And in fact, the Bible says the sickness um, caused him to die. But before he died, um, a young king comes to see him. His name is Joash. And it's a wonderful thing that, that he had this moment with the great prophet. Uh, oh, that all of us could, could have direction from the prophet of the Lord. And so Joash is the king of Israel. He comes to see Elisha. He weeps over him. And he cries over him. He even says, oh, my father, my father. He calls him the chariot of Israel. And you're the horseman of Israel. You are the uniqueness, the power of Israel. We do know that when governments failed and kings failed and the armies failed, that the prophets were Israel's last line of defense. The prophets were God's chosen men and they were not always treated fairly. Many of them were killed. They were stoned. They were put into wells and cisterns and bound. And uh, they were stripped of their clothes. Sometimes they were uh, they were starved. Uh, they were ran out. But those prophets were, were the men who kept Israel alive. And so Joash comes to see Elisha. And Elisha gives him... Um, a lasting instruction. So Elisha says, "I want you to take some arrows and take a bow, and here's what I want you to do. I I want you to gather them in your hand, and then um, I want you to to uh, to do something for me. So the young king he 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 puts the the arrow in the bow, and the prophet." Wraps his arms around the king and they pull the bow back and he gives the the arrow uh, a direction. And so the arrow is, is shot, it's cast, and the prophet um, is designed for that function. He gives the king the direction. So this is all symbolic. But then the, the prophet says to to the king, now I want you to take the rest of the arrows in your hand and I want you to strike the ground. And so the king, he takes the arrows and he strikes the ground. Um, He strikes it one time and then another time. But he doesn't do it with all of his heart. Um, He does it just three times and he stops. And the prophet's very angry. And the prophet said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have had complete victory over your enemy. And so he's not pointing to a number necessarily. He's pointing to a lack of fervency and a lack of passion. And thus becomes the lesson for all of us who need to learn. There are are many things that I can teach young men and young ladies in the church I, I I teach and have taught in our church for a couple of decades with a handout with fill-in-the-blanks every Wednesday night. Thousands of pages of handouts and fill-in-the-blanks and and given direction to a lot of people. Now, some of the direction that I've given was was not always overt. Sometimes it came in the form of a question or it came in the form of a, of a story. I don't always... Um, give direction in such a way that it's undeniable. Sometimes my direction for people, um, it it takes a little searching because I'm not, I I don't want to tell them what to do, but I might ask them a few leading questions, hoping that they would uh, catch on. I can give instruction and teachers can teach and lessons can be delivered. And I think that's something that every preacher and pastor and leader and Sunday school teacher we need to do that. We need to give direction and instruction. And so that is exactly what the prophet was doing for the young king. He was wrapping his arms around him. They pulled the bow back. They, they shot the arrow, and that's the direction from the prophet. But then the second part, um, you'll find the prophet is removed From the king. The prophet doesn't pick up the arrows. The prophet doesn't strike the ground. And he just gives a command strike the ground. He doesn't tell him how many times. He doesn't tell him beat the ground uh, as, as hard as you can. He just says strike the ground with the arrows. And now it's up to the king to determine his level of fervency. You see, the prophet could give direction, but he could not give passion. I can give direction and instruction, but I cannot give someone fervency. That has to come from you. And you know, I can put my hands on a, on something and and point in the right direction. That doesn't even mean that someone will will go in that direction. But I I cannot um, give someone pathos, that the internal desire and. That's something that you have to have for yourself. You have to have a passion for the kingdom. You have to have a fervency for God. And that fervency, sometimes, you know, sometimes it, it can be uh, adopted in some way. Maybe your parents are, are very fervent, but there will come a time when your leader, your parents, your your youth pastor, your, your senior pastor, a bishop somewhere, they will give as much as they can. But then it becomes up to you what you're going to do with this passion. And I've found that there is a, a a great majority of Pentecostals that have the right direction. Our churches are filled with people who know the doctrine. They know the doctrine. They know the scriptures. They can decipher the scriptures. They have the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. And they could probably debate very well. So they know it uh, intellectually. They know it mentally. But They don't have fervency and passion. They've been given the direction. They've been pointed in the right direction. They know the path and the way, but they don't have the conviction. They don't don't have the hunger. They don't have the desire. And that um, is the destruction of any church, where we become a church that soaks it in, and we like it. We like to hear it. The Bible talks about being a hearer only and not a doer. What is that? Describe that in so many terms. What is a hearer but not a doer? The doer hears also. It, the difference is, and, and, and this may be simplistic, It might you might find this elementary, but the doer has a passion to do or to complete what he has heard. So we can hear, and with our hearing, have have a mental understanding but there's something beyond knowing and the knowing is a very difficult uh it, there it's it's a different it's a difficult trap to to get out of it it's a mire because we'll just we have people who love to be inspired they live for inspiration they want to hear all the preachers they want to hear all the great orators they like to get online and they like to watch their favorite preacher but they're not in the street. They're not in the field. They're not witnessing to anyone. They're not, they're not on the street corner. They're not compelling people to come to the Father's house. They just enjoy hearing it. They have the right direction, but they have no passion for the kingdom. And so here you have Elisha saying, listen, if you would have struck the ground five or six times, you would have had complete victory. What is he saying? He's saying, I've given you direction, but I didn't give you passion. And if you'd have just had passion, you'd have completely defeated your enemy and you would have had great victory. So, I, I do, if, if you'll just look at the scripture here, man, how much victory has been left on the table? Not because we didn't hear the word, we knew the word. We knew the scripture. We heard it on Sunday. We heard it on Wednesday. We heard it on midweek Bible study. We might have even read it in the Bible, but we left our Bible. We put down our one year bible and we went about our daily life and we never adopted a passionate view, a conviction, an emotional response to what we read. We didn't get up from hearing the sermon and say, "Man, I got to go do something." I I, I don't know I, I don't know how any everyone lives, but I have left services and when I got done hearing the preacher, I was so disturbed I couldn't eat. I I had to go do something. Um I was listening to a preacher preach and we were, we were going to collect a, um, a missions offering and I had already filled out the, the form and the amount that I was going to give. But I, when I heard him preach and when I heard him speak, I was so moved. I couldn't just hear it. I had to do something. so <laughs> I took my pen and scratched out the number uh, of, of the offering and I doubled it because that's what happens when you're not just a hearer something gripped me i had the direction i knew the direction because we knew the purpose of the meeting it was a mission's meeting but when the preacher got done i erased my i scratched out my number because passion got a hold of me fervency got a hold of me the doing uh gripped me i was enveloped in it and i think there's many types of baptisms of course The most notable and important baptisms are the baptisms of water in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And then the second baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. But there are other baptisms too. Now, these are not salvation baptisms per se, but we need a baptism of fervency and desire and hunger and passion and pathos. And not just listening to something, but getting up and doing what we know to do. Jesus had just a couple of prayer requests. I, I don't I remember growing up in a church where people would stand up or raise their hand and during prayer request time they would verbally make their prayer request. Now today we write them down and we turn them in and and so we don't some churches still do this from the floor but um we prefer to have them in our hand because we can read them to the whole congregation, everyone can hear them and then we can post those, we can pass those to our through our prayer team, we send those in email forms so people can continually pray for the person that had a need. That's the reason why we write down our prayer request. And those prayers, people are praying for those needs for days um, and weeks even after the initial prayer request was made. Um, and I can remember, you know, growing up in that atmosphere where people would stand up and they would, they would have a prayer request, you know, and in the prayer request time, there was passion. Um, Jesus had a couple prayer requests. <laughs> Can you imagine the Lord standing up in prayer request, raising up his hands? He said, once, pray ye the Lord the Father that he would send labors into the field. That's There's the prayer request of Jesus. What's his prayer request? That there would be labors in the field. Not just people hearing the sermon, but people that would actively engage in doing what the message was about as kingdom work, and so you know, today I, I'm I'm gripped by the amount of people who are sponges and soak everything in. And and if you're in a church and you're and your pastor is preaching, I want you to amen him. I want you to stand up and clap at every good uh, juncture that you can. I want you to compliment him when he's through preaching the word and giving you the bread of life but the greater of all of that is to enact the word do what the sermon has said that that's the key not just hearing it but doing it leaving the church and doing the kingdom work i i can guarantee you this there are no greater gifts you can give your pastor than to live out the preached word of God. And I'm preaching the word. And when I'm done preaching, um, there's a it's like a boiler inside me. It's boiling. That word is boiling. I can't just have a have a nonchalant conversation because I'm on in inside, I'm on fire. It's a burning inside of me. That word is burning. And I don't I don't walk away and cool off. In 10 minutes. It's hard for me to go to a restaurant and sit down and eat and have small talk because there's something about the word. It's working inside of me, changing my life. If the word is a word of conviction, I'm I'm convicted. If it's a word of praise, I'm desperate to praise. If it's a shouting, something to praise and shout, I, I want to continually do that because I want to live out the passion and not just have the direction. So I challenge you today at the table. Do more than just seek the direction. But when you find the direction, then pray and seek for passion and do something until you become passionate about it. And if so, you'll have great victory over your life. Don't leave a victory untapped because there's a lot more that God wants to do through you and for you and for other people when you take those arrows. Here's what the king should have done. He should have picked up those arrows and he should have beat them to the ground until he broke every one of them. He should have pummeled the ground with those arrows. We've learned a very important lesson. The prophet can give you direction, but passion has to come from your own heart. So I say today, let there be broken arrows scattered all over your path. I'm so glad you came to the table and there's so much more to come. Thank you.